machine learning. You know, AI, you've heard of chat, GPT. You probably have even downloaded an app that changed your avatar on Instagram or TikTok into a superhero or some type of amazing alien that looks just like you. It's all artificial intelligence. In fact, much of what we use when it comes to social media is a giant algorithm that learns. It's AI too. So think of the irony of me meeting someone thanks to AI on LinkedIn. You know, it was earlier this year, 2023, when I'm on LinkedIn, like I am just about every day, and there was a conversation that caught my eye. It was an article that someone posted that I didn't even know. Someone in my online network had liked the the post. So it was in my feed. And there it was, a headline that was pretty disparaging for a well-known company who'd done some layoffs, but they didn't do it in the most humane way. There was a lot to critique, and it was in the heart of the tech layoffs that so many leaders lost jobs in. And it struck a chord with me. So I responded in the comments that I had some knowledge of at least one of those leaders and why they probably did what they did. And so it attracted the attention of another person, her name, Carrie Sullivan, and she responded. And the way she responded would lead us to the show today. She shared with me that her company is doing some amazing research using machine learning in order to look at the mindsets of leaders and predict the success or failure of the companies they lead. In other words, they have the technology to uncover the jerks who make toxic cultures at work. Without further ado, I want you to meet my new friend, Carrie Sullivan, who is a leadership prognosticator. Let's get it. Hey, y'all. This is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. Hey, everybody. I am so excited to be back on the Culture Soup podcast in 2023. It's an exciting year. We have so much coming up. And I want to introduce somebody to you. I actually met her on LinkedIn. We are new friends. And as you know, on this show, you have to be a friend of Elle Michelle to get on. Can't be pitched. So here's an example of how you can meet me organically and we can strike up a conversation and become friends, developing a great rapport. Well, I was in the comments section of an intriguing post. And you know, I encourage all of my leaders, if you're not comfortable with posting your own content or even reposting someone else's, 
the best way to get engagement and the algorithms will bless you for it is to get in the comments of somebody else's post. Well, that's exactly what I did when I met my guest, Carrie Sullivan of Culminate Strategies. Now you're gonna be intrigued with what she does, but she is definitely at the intersection of tech, business, and culture. They're doing research around how companies can thrive with great leadership, but you may be surprised at how she's doing it. Hey, Carrie, how are you today? Hey, I'm Michelle. Thank I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad to have you on. Thanks for coming. Thank you. I'm so glad to be on. So yeah, that that fateful day. We're in the the comments section <laughs> of all places, and there were like thousands of comments on this one post. Do you remember? Yeah. So we were talking about a company, and we were talking about a company that was struggling from a culture perspective. And I started explaining why they're struggling from a culture perspective, because we can use online profiles, public language, to scan for personality and personality mm. traits, just mm. like a Harvard-trained psychologist. Yes. In fact, that's Crazy. how we actually train the model. Mm-hmm. And we can tell what kinds of discussions are happening inside an organization. I don't know exactly what they are, but I know what the water cooler talk is. Right. So we were having our own little water cooler talk about this, this article that someone posted. It wasn't even your post. It was someone mm-hmm. else's post. Mm-hmm. And here we go meeting each other. And before we get too deep into more of what we discussed and what your company is doing, how about you, you have a culture soup moment with me right now? Absolutely. So the power of LinkedIn. I mean, this is crazy. We happen to be gathering around content that resonated with the both of us. In my situation, it might have been an e- even more personal than we expected. <laughs> because the company that they were talking about, there were leaders from a former company of mine that I knew were at the top of this company. And then here we are talking about it in someone else's comments. And I meet you. Is LinkedIn powerful for you like that? I mean, is it every day that you meet someone? I mean, this was kismet. It really was. You're one of my favorite follows now. Seriously. I I learn from you every day. Thank you. And same for you. Thank you. I can't tell you how many people I've met, especially recently, and especially with some of the the recent downsizings from tech companies and and, and just in general, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of angst and a lot of anxiety, I think, in people. And yeah. when you start to empathize with them and you act human online, they pay attention, they notice. And I can't tell you how many people I have just connected with in, in lovely ways. And, and folks have been pouring their souls out too. I've got lots of folks crying on the other side of my screen. Well, Um, I can imagine just based on what your company does. Yeah. It it happens a lot and and that's okay. It's, it's a good thing. I'd I'd rather, I'd rather help people understand what's going on inside their organizations and and sometimes understand that it's not them, it's the organization so that then they can start to heal and move on. So important, this research and studies and uh, data that you're releasing is to leaders that are out there. And interesting that is striking a chord. I could understand why someone would be in your DMs crying because we ended up in the DMs. I wasn't crying, but I definitely (laughs) knew 
who you were talking about. Yes, <laughs> and ma'am. This person was not in the headline. Can nope. you tell the folks, the listeners, what exactly you're doing? And in this situation, you were able to fracture, if you will, the leadership without even knowing names, without even knowing faces, but knowing their behavior and able to mm-hmm. predict whether this company was going to thrive or not. You want to talk about that? Of course. So first simple explanation is that, um, number one, uh, industrial organizational psychologists are the unsung heroes of organizations, seriously. Um, We are able to read online profiles and language very similarly to an industrial psychologist or a trait-based psychologist. And that's partially because trait-based psychology is very, very tightly connected with language. Uh So we use language. Uh, I I can't take credit for it. I'm not the inventor. Sure. Um, One of my colleagues is, and he's amazing. Um, And he invented it because he couldn't figure out why he really loved working with certain leaders and not others. And I think we've all kind of felt that way in the past. Oh, yeah. Um, And even in my own business... uh, I discovered that the way I think it, it creates the ability to put really great teams together, but that's not very scalable. So that's how I reached out to him. I, I asked him what he was working on. He told me about this amazing capability and he's able to, to put together pro psychological or, or personality profiles on people wow. that are pretty darn detailed and, and they can tell you a lot about the water cooler conversations in, in mm-hmm. an organization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just amazing to me. And when you started to unravel what you guys are doing, I said, I need you in my book. I need you on the podcast. I need to share this with my community so they'll know what you're doing. And as you know, I spend a lot of time with leaders trying to come up with strategies, co-create strategies to navigate the waters in toxic cultures that they come across and even cultures that aren't so toxic. But so often we know that there are a couple of different kinds of personalities that are involved in these cultures that make them toxic, especially for people who are in the margins. So I deal with everybody, that's for sure. But I specialize with women and women of color. And you were telling me that there's this broham culture that keeps bubbling up in some of these companies. You want to talk about that? Yes, ma'am. So one of the things that we're finding is, and essentially what we can do is identify in a bit more detail um, fixed versus growth mindsets. And Mm -hmm. in any organization, you do need both. Right. You, you need them to grow. You need them to operate. You know, there are lots of folks that have tons of great skills and ways of thinking that are valuable in the right roles. And it's that last part that's that's the real important one. Mm-hmm. And what we're finding in the data is that there are lots and lots of really great aptitude um, growth mindset thinkers, especially in women and people of color, that are kind of stuck. They're bottlenecked mm-hmm. inside their organizations reporting to fixed mindset managers. Mm-hmm. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with a fixed mindset manager. They're great at following and enforcing process and sure. tasks and attendance taking and, and things like that. But the, what what is challenging is that those aptitude growth mindset thinkers 
get stuck and they're made to feel a bit like there's something wrong with them. Right. Because they think differently. And Mm -hmm. what we know is that they're literally speaking a different language. They think differently from their manager and their manager can't figure them out. Right. So when they start to solve problems in different ways, it becomes very uncomfortable for that manager and it shows up in their career performance and their and their performance reviews and what they're able to get done and how far they're able to to make it in their career and up, up the ladder. You know, that's so groundbreaking. At the same time, when I consider layering on the unconscious biases that show up as well in certain personalities and certain people, I can see why. Leaders like myself and leaders that I coach every day run into issues. It's like running into a brick wall suddenly. Mm. Everything's going great. And then an org shift happens and you end up with one of these kinds of leaders that, first of all, before we even can say that they're biased, they just don't understand what you're trying to do as a transformational leader. And that transformational leader has a growth mindset. And they're running to the risk and suddenly you have this boss that's like, no, 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 no. Punch the clock. <laughs> Do it the way we've always done it or you're the bad guy. Yep. And and that's I say that a lot to organizations and to leaders. We have a rule from a, an organization design and from a, a structure perspective, especially when we're going through things like M&A mm-hmm. or transformation or things like that. Growth mindset can report to growth mindset. Fixed mindset can report to growth mindset. Mm -hmm. Growth mindset cannot report to fixed mindset in that kind of a high change transformation scenario. And it's largely because the fixed mindset, their their tendency for leadership tends toward control. Mm -hmm. They, They want to, they want rules, they want... Um, structure, which again, all of those things are fine when you're going through a steady state. Uh, When you're going through transformation or M&A or private equity acquisition or, 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 you know, digital transformation, things like that, you need those growth mindsets in those leadership kinds of roles so that they can make the change and blaze the path Mm-hmm. But then they make room for those fixed mindsets to to back into those roles as they stabilize and and carry things forward. Because right. the reality is that most most growth mindsets get really bored if they're not yes. building and changing things. So they they boy get out of to, my head. <laughs> they tend tend to take off, right? So yeah, that's that is the nature of those growth mindset people. They're great at driving wonderful behavior and culture and change and, and momentum in an organization, which is why it's connected to revenue and stock price. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and fixed mindsets are great at coming in behind them and maintaining that. But when there are big problems like recessions and, and crises like a pandemic, it's a little bit harder for them to, to handle that kind of problem solving, which is why we often get called in to, to solve a lot of those problems. Yeah. We're, we're, we, we never are out of jobs <laughs> during, during a crisis or a recession. We're usually the ones getting the call, calls to, to come and solve problems. That's interesting. So it, it adds up that these growth mindset individuals who probably had fixed mindset bosses 
that may have drove them out or they went out on their own because they're just, ugh. they end up being consultants like you and me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes, when recessions come, we don't worry about it. That's usually when no. we thrive. Yeah, that's, and that is one of the hallmarks of what we call a results-driven thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, results-driven thinkers are, are what we call the, the CEO mindset. Um, and when a CEO tends toward being very results driven mm-hmm. and only about 8% of, of people that we've scanned on, on across pro, um, platforms are results driven, they are really wonderful at getting to those outcomes. And if we see mindsets like that results driven thinker taking over or cr- gaining ground in an organization, once they hit a certain tipping point, we know that that momentum is going to hit the, hit the tipping point too. And within about a year to 18 months, revenue and stock price grows, grows along with it. Wow. Okay. So we won't call names of the company that we were in the threads on. <laughs> we won't call yes. names about them. Because the However, is true as well. <laughs> yes. What I would like to know though, you guys call names in a lot of your research. Let's talk about some of the companies that are trending towards growth mindsets in charge and how they're thriving. I love to talk about these guys. Um, right, so we've got a few. Um, CDW is a wonderful one. Uh, Christine Leahy is a, a wonderful growth mindset, and she's recognized very similar thinkers and surrounded herself with them. They are truly exceptional um, and they seem to be screaming through their transformation from wow. a sales-driven kind of a distributorship organization into a services-led organization. And, and they they feel like they're successful and they're moving mm-hmm. through things very quickly. And it's largely because she has literally surrounded herself with a high, high, high operating group of system or what we call results-driven mindsets and the innovator mindset. They're, they're a lot of both. They're so cool and they are so different. Yeah. Uh, and you can see it in their stock price too. You've piqued my interest. And I, I, I'm going to ask you to talk about more growth mindset leaders and the companies they lead. But I've got to ask you, is there any correlation that you guys might be seeing a trend towards gender or even age when it comes to more growth mindset leaders? So a couple of things. Yes. And um, when you think about growth mindsets or the the way that people evolve, the way that they think, we earn a growth mindset through adversity. So that's kind of point number Mm. one. Wow. People who have gone through adverse situations in their careers or in their lives have had opportunities to lean into that adversity and let it change them and change the way that they think. They become more resilient. That's right. They become more resilient They and they become better problem solvers. Yes. So if you think about empathy as one of those kind of entrees into growth mindset, a lot of women and people of color learn how to read the room and we learn how to do it early or you get wow. kicked out of the room. You know what? Right? I sent you my book and you're you're reading chapter and verse out of this one chapter where I, I state that women of color 
actually have some superpowers that we can lean into. And one of those things has to do with the fact that trauma brought us here and we found the message in the mess. And because of it, we can have a higher CQ and a higher EQ going into a room and understanding and empathizing with people because we understand what it's like to be in the margins. You just laid that out with your data. We see it in the data. We absolutely do. Um, not everyone gets to results. And, and part of the trick of it is having a healthy enough childhood. You know, mm-hmm. really, it's psych- it is psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, having that healthy enough childhood so that you have the ability to work through those issues that you encounter. It can create some things that are a little less healthy. And, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. People have the opportunity to work through it. But it's, it is that adversity that changes us. And if we're healthy enough or have the ability to work through it, it usually changes us in really good ways. That is one of the threads that I see in a lot of women leaders that are killing it right now in the mm-hmm. ENC suite, doing amazing things, making history. You know, I mentioned Scent Marshall in my book, and she just recently released her book. I think it's more of a memoir than an autobiography, but she's been through so much adversity, but it is definitely what she does with that adversity that makes right. her who she is and also makes it infectious as a leader. It's it's about what you do with it. That's yes. that's exactly the right point. So, let's go back and let's let's name names some more. Another <laughs> growth mindset, leader and the company that's doing well. So, I have not talked with them. Um and I I know a couple of people that work there, but AutoZone. Ah. AutoZone. Just a retailer of auto parts. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Go look at their <laughs> stock price. They're amazing. Wow. Amazing. Their mm-hmm. leadership team, something happened uh, around 2017 or in 2017-2021 ish where they just brought in a bunch of really great mindset hmm. people and they they have then surrounded themselves with additional great mindsets from a director and above and they are absolutely fantastic. I don't know exactly what happened, but we can see it in the numbers, we can see it in their mindsets. Um, and I would certainly love to love to talk to a few of them and see what's exi- what's what's actually going on. Okay, so if you're out there listening and you are in leadership at AutoZone reach out to Carrie. (laughs) Reach out to Carrie. She wants to talk to you. This is amazing. Okay. So everybody's not killing it. Some of us are actually killing the companies and let's name names. Why not? Who's on that list? So there, there are some companies that are struggling. So I wrote about one of them and they're, they're teetering. So we're not going to, we're not going to go into a, a full prediction that they're they're headed downhill. What I can see or what we can see in Walmart mm-hmm. is that there seems there's a bit of an internal struggle happening. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that internal struggle, they've got enough results mindset folks and enough growth mindset folks that they could get past it. But it's, mm-hmm. it's almost a t- push and a pull between who's going to win uh, and who's going to win in those in those leadership seats yeah. um, to determine which way they're going to go in the future as far as the lean in towards um, digital, you know, embracing digital and e-commerce and, and similar approaches to their consumer base or more of that structure kind of a mindset because they've still got a lot of changing and evolving to do as a retailer 
and we're we're not entirely sure which way they're going to go. Well, and I would imagine in a company that size, you could probably get all sorts of mindsets leading different parts of the business, different business units and such. And so as the air gets thinner and you go up the food chain, Mm -hmm. up that leadership pipeline, there's a meeting of the minds, literally. When we talk about that water cooler talk, Mm-hmm. It starts to become, it, or it goes from with those very big, high growth mindsets, like the CDWs that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're talking about big things like how do we change the world? How do we, mm-hmm. how do we change our industry? How do we drive our partners and our customers to, to do new things and, and to innovate, you know, enable in- innovation themselves probably, you know, around those, that boardroom table. Mm-hmm. If they went the other direction towards more of that fixed mindset, you know, if they if their goal was to grow really fast, and we've seen a few companies like this, so it's uh, Salesforce is an example of that. Mm-hmm. They went through a heavy, heavy period of growth. They were they were doing a lot of sure. company acquisitions and and things like that in the past, and they've they promoted a number of their opportunistic oriented mm-hmm. mindsets, which mm-hmm. is great for sales. It's great for sure. growth. You need it for that kind of scale. The challenge is that if it's too much of the organization, you end up with bro culture. Mm. You end up with more of that competition. It's it, the conversation goes from how do we change business and how do we, you know, really make become a game changer for our clients into being how about those ramps? Yeah, and it's a it's a very different kind of a discussion around the water cooler. And as that com- company or that discussion starts to shift one one way or the other, so does the performance of the company. Wow. Wow. Carrie, this is amazing work. How did you come to this? How did you decide this is my sweet spot? This is where I need to be. So I run a company that is focused on transformation, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, We do a lot of change. So Mm -hmm. I already think in in these ways myself. And when I left corporate to start my own company, I spent the first year figuring out what my business model was. But Mm -hmm. then I I found that independent consulting was, was kind of a lonely place. And I started connecting with other independent consultants that tended mm-hmm. towards transformation and, and heavy change and, and growth and, and that kind of work. And as I did so, I started putting teams together because mm-hmm. it was, you know, not quite so lonely. Mm-hmm. And as I started to figure out how to scale the company, I figured, I figured out during some research that mm-hmm. our superpower is my ability to read people and understand who they are and put those really great teams together that work really well with customers. Mm-hmm. That doesn't scale. I yeah, can't yeah. be that person <laughs> that that uh, staffs every project that we're on if, if we're a company that scales. So I reached out to my colleague, Christopher Skinner, mm-hmm. and knew that he'd been doing some of this work in the past. And he um, described his invention to me, and lo and behold, his invention thinks a lot the way uh, a lot of the way that I do. So, because his machine uh, thinks the way I do, I'm able to use it to put together amazing teams without a ton of inter- intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, I can scan entire companies. Um, wow! I, I can I can do a scan a, a, a 500 person company and assess what that water cooler talk is in about an hour. 
But wow. most of most of what I use it for is for transformation. So we're we're helping companies work through big changes because mm-hmm. when you do a great job of managing behavior and managing that kind of health and angst in an organization, mm-hmm. the success rate of your transformation goes up. And wow. it's they're much, much more successful if you're really proactive about how you manage the mindsets in the organization. That's amazing. And it's a it's a nice, healthy way of understanding people. It's kind of what an, an industrial organizational psychologist does. Mm-hmm. So like I said, they're kind of the un, unsung hero, but they're usually brought in when the when the the world is on fire. Yeah. Um, this this capability gives us um, the ability to act more like them and and enable more IO psychs out there as well. Wow. Okay, so you're working with the companies. I'm working with the leaders. I kind of build myself as like Nike. I'm there for the athlete, right? <laughs> yep. What what insight do you have based on the work that you're doing for the leaders that I'm working with? What what should they know? A couple of things. If we want more um, ability to transform, because let's be real, the world is not getting less complex. It's mm-hmm. getting more complex. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to think in ecosystems. And we only have 8% of the population right now that can mm-hmm. do that. And only about 5% of leaders that are promoted in those levels of leadership are truly able to dig in and solve for that complexity. Mm-hmm. If we want to be able to solve for complexity, we need to value that in our middle management. So mm-hmm. I suggest two things. Okay. Number number one, uh, embrace automation, especially artificial intelligence and robotic process automation and similar, especially at the bottom of the organiza- organization where you've got mm-hmm. lots of repetitive tasks. Get rid of the repetitive tasks, root them out, and, and create capacity for your people inside mm-hmm. the organization. Number two, value those growth mindsets. So removing the task-oriented work and giving those middle managers the ability to focus more on coaching people, developing people, developing their own sense of empathy and, and you know, ability EQ, uh-huh. that will reduce a lot of the toxicity, the angst, the things that uh-huh. we're feeling that's weird post-pandemic, uh-huh. all uh-huh. of those things. This that that one move or those two little moves will help a lot because you're giving those middle managers the capacity to to focus on people and be more human. Sure, sure. That's amazing, invaluable. You know what? I talked about growth and fixed mindsets in my book. No thanks. Seven ways to say I'll just include myself. But I wonder, other than just assessing based on scenarios. Is there an assessment that someone could use, kind of like DISC? For instance, DISC has one that you can use for yourself, find out where you are when it comes to being the D-I-S or the C, you know, what kind of personality you might have. But it also has one where you can fill in data and get an idea of how your colleague might fare. Is there something like that for leaders to find out if they have a manager who is fixed or a growth mindset and also for themselves? Most HR organizations have, especially in the larger companies, are really great 
at having assessments that that they use and having trained folks inside the organization who can facilitate those discussions mm -hmm. and turn them into that bit of collaboration. Um, I've seen this done very, very well by HR organizations across the board. Uh, and usually what they're able to do is create that that initial conversation and understanding so that everybody's sharing the same vocabulary. But then the next thing that I usually do is have a, have a discussion about behavior. Mm -hmm. Because when we start to prioritize those behaviors that are focused more on growth mindset, and, and remember, you can take be good behavior and drive it down, but you can't bubble it up. Right. So when we start to have those discussions about growth mindset behavior that's more focused on collaboration and complexity and thinking about ecosystems and, and finding different thinkers and valuing different thinkers that can solve those problems, then what we can do is start to put systems in place and, and, and almost procedures in place or playbooks in place to help codify those behaviors in the organization. So even if you don't have tons and tons and tons of growth thinkers inside the organization, they can still behave that way. And they do behave that, that way very well, as long as the expectations set. Hmm. The, it, it requires a bit of an exercise to go through that, that, that expectation setting and prioritization of role model behavior that we want to see in, in a company. And it's a great exercise to go through. I, I get to do those all day long and it's one of my favorite things. Amazing. Well, I feel very blessed to be connected with you on LinkedIn and having this dialogue, not just on my show, but also offline. We've talked on the phone. I intend to do more of that. Yes, and please. also, you know, chit-chatting in the DMs. <laughs> very yes, important. Please. How can other people connect with you on LinkedIn or wherever else? LinkedIn is my favorite spot. Um, that's usually where, where my folks are. I'm out there on Twitter now and again. Um, but definitely LinkedIn, uh, or you can connect with me via our website. Okay. And then what's your Twitter handle? Carrie Sullivan, K-A-R-R-I-E-S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N. Awesome. And give us that website. CulminateStrategy.com. Awesome. Carrie, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the Culture Soup Podcast. Ms. L. Michelle, you are just a rock star. Thank you so much for having me. All righty. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. What an awesome conversation with Carrie Sullivan, the principal at Cultivate Strategy. Look her up, y'all. <laughs> Very interesting data. Did you know that you could track the success of a company based on the mindsets of the leaders? Jerks tend to tank companies and rock star leaders transformational leaders tend to send stock prices and revenues through the roof. It's great to know. And you can look for my book in June of this year. Yes, please. Seven ways to say I'm entitled to the C-suite. Secrets women of color need to know now to find their happy and thrive in an exclusive corporate culture. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next time. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark 
of No Silos Communications, LLC.